0: This is John Halsman, and welcome to the Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast, where we try to make sense of today's headlines, fitting them into a broader and hopefully more fun political risk context that actually explains the world we live in, which is my day job. And what a day job it is, let's be honest. I'm sitting here in a rainy Milan about to have an espresso. One of the things I've learned in Europe in all these years of living in exile, Hemingway-like exile, is I can make a reasonable espresso now. So I'm gonna have my espresso. And before we start, that leads me to the notion, please do give those of you who've subscribed. We're spending an awful lot of time and creative effort Uh, Coming up with the Around the World in 20 Minutes podcast for you, coming up with Patrick Henry podcast, the book serializations, all the articles, and we love doing what we want to do, talking to you directly without middlemen, but it means you have to pay. Substack is the honor system, and for $7 a month, which is about the price of my reasonable bag of espresso beans, or $70 a year, we can do the things that we do. So please do give. Um, and those of you who haven't subscribed yet, many many of you have, and we're thrilled. Please do. So to Virginia, we're on my home turf now, my former home state, an area I know very well. And U.S. politics, we've had a shocking upset. Uh, the Republicans have come back with a vengeance in what is known to us political junkies as the off off year elections. Uh, with a year to go into the midterms and let's look at how bad it is for the biden presidency the phrase couldn't be worse would sum this up in political risk terms biden carried virginia healthily by about 10 points in the last election against donald trump in 2020 virginia has gone from being a toss-up purple state to a blue state because northern virginia where most of the government workers live who populate the capital of course they're for big government they are big government And they tend to vote Democratic. And as the government expands, Northern Virginia expands, and it outweighs Southern Virginia, which is still the Confederacy in many ways, is conservative, is rural, socially and politically uh, conservative. And it's now being drowned out, usually, by Democrats coming from the northern part of the state to populate Washington. Um, But boy, that's not what happened yesterday. What happened yesterday was that Republican Glenn Youngkin, a political novice, beat Clinton party apparatchik. And if ever there was an apparatchik, it was Terry McAuliffe by a nose of 50 to 49 in the Virginia race for governor. And this is a state the Democrats have absolutely no business losing. Worse than this even is that in New Jersey, which is the bluest of blue states, with a 16 point win for Biden on the cards. I'm sure he barely even thought about it. He counted it in the win column. The race for governor there is too close to call with 97% of the vote counted. So how did the Democrats go from winning Virginia just a year ago by 10 points and winning New Jersey by yards, 16 points, to a too close to call photo finish in New Jersey and a close but clear loss in Virginia? How did Glenn Youngkin do it? And is this a template for the future of the Republican Party? Well, yes, it is. Youngkin mentioned three things. And as Jeff Greenfield, the excellent uh, columnist, wrote this week, the adage that all politics is local, which is ascribed to Tip O'Neill, just isn't true anymore. All politics, if anything, is national. And this election was nationalized to a great extent. Uh, Joe Biden went to stump for Terry McAuliffe. Barack Obama, the Senate Obama, still very popular in the party, went to stump for Terry McAuliffe. And Kamala Harris also campaigned for Terry McAuliffe. So the Democrats wheeled out their establishment to be met by a collective yawn by Virginia voters. And why was this? What did Youngkin say? Well, first of all, without being too specific, he said the Biden administration has failed. This was an effort to win moderate voters, suburban female voters... Independent voters, all of whom had deserted the Republican Party under Trump in droves, but have been coming back in the polls as they're unhappy with Biden's record. It isn't one specific issue they're unhappy with with Biden. It's his overall approach. Biden sought to be a healer of the breach. The country has been poisonously polarized. And after four years of the traveling reality show of Donald Trump, People wanted normal. People wanted boring. People wanted bipartisan, plodding, and decent. And instead, Joe Biden has caved in on his spending bills to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, to people who call themselves, without laughing, socialists, social democrats. That's not what the country is. The country remains broadly center-right. People who are in favor of defunding the police, not wildly popular in Virginia. People who talk about turning over the levers of power more and more to the state. People talk about, and we'll get to this, teaching your kids an indoctrinated leftist view of history, which beyond being ahistorical and simply untrue, is indoctrinating the children, making them left-wing activists before they hit high school. This isn't what suburban moms, to put it mildly, have in mind that the government should be doing. Do less, do more, do better, do less, do better. And for goodness sake, don't be hijacked by people who are to the left of Trotsky. And yet that's what Biden has done. Biden has surrendered himself as the moderate. There's a reason Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders weren't elected president, but he's been the useful idiot for the progressives of his party who have, in effect, filled his vacancy with their policies. And this isn't what average people in the country want. They also don't want the incompetence. Uh, The retreat from Afghanistan, though I'm entirely in favor of ending the forever wars, was managed horribly. And yet again, in our technocratic elite that Biden aspires to, that the Democratic Party has become, no one, no one was fired. Not a military person for getting rid of Bagram Air Force Base, leading to the disaster in Kabul, where in effect our troops were sitting ducks for ISIS. This was idiotic. Anyone with a rudimentary understanding of military strategy would know better. No one did, and yet no one was fired. So they're unaccountable, they're incompetent, they can't pass their domestic legislation. Biden announced that there was a deal. I still think they do get the deal on the mammoth spending bills, though the second bill, the wish list bill, will be about half, say $1.75 trillion or perhaps less. But they announced that they had a deal. Biden went away. And Joe Manchin, the moderate holding the balance of power in the Senate, said, not so fast. I want a cost-benefit analysis of the programs. Obviously, that drove progressives nuts and we're back to a stalemate. So he can't pass his legislation. He's unaccountable. He's incompetent. His performance at press conferences, to put it mildly, is is alarming. I've known Joe Biden for a long time and I find him a decent person. Uh, I've met him at various conferences in Europe where often he was the only senator to bother to show up. So I don't have anything against Biden. But to put it mildly, he has lost a step. I'm not sure I'd let him change the TV channels, let alone run a country right now. And to put him up front is alarming for the rest of the country in the same way that Kamala Harris, having failed utterly over her immigration issue, another issue where Biden has failed. We've basically said there's a vacancy sign in America and hundreds of thousands of people have taken us up on this offer. And this, of course, looks crazy to average, moderate, independent, suburban women. And she's been in charge of this, failed utterly. Her personal numbers are lower than Biden's. They're in the upper 30s. He's in the lower 40s. At 40, you can just about govern. Below 40, nobody has to take you seriously. And at present, no one has to take Camilla seriously. So there's been failure across the board that Yunkin can play into. Just cite the record. Second thing is cultural. Critical race theory. And for those of you who aren't Americans, let me explain this briefly. Critical race theory has taken the gaping hole of the far left, meaning academia, that uh, had been left when Marxism died. And whereas Marxism said class is the central motivator of every human being, instead, critical race theory says race, and more importantly, racism is the critical factor motivating most people in the world. I think the far left is idiotic for a simple reason. I'm a student of history, and anybody who thinks there's one reason people or societies do anything has never met people or societies. There's a multiplicity of reasons that people and states act. And to boil everything down to one primary reason may make you feel morally superior, but it's a children's fairy tale. And filling the void now that Marxism has been utterly discredited after 100 million people, and yes, let me repeat the number, 100 million people have died under the reigns of Mao and Stalin and Pol Pot, Che Guevara and Castro et al., Now that you can't be for that, the new simple fairy tale is everything is due to race and critical race theory, which is taught in colleges across the country, where shamefully conservatives have gone to sleep and let them make our children who don't know any real history into left-wing activists, simplistic left-wing activists who know almost nothing of real history. I speak as a historian. Obviously, race is a factor. But to say that race motivated the signing primarily of the Declaration of Independence, To say the northern states that didn't have slavery absolutely were behind it, that this was the motive force for every major decision in the founding of the country ignores taxation without representation, colonization versus a mother country, a 100 years of growing on their own with only the sailing ship to link London to their colonies. In other words, it ignores the facts to tell a comforting fairy tale with a simple logic of oppressors and oppressed and all white people at some level are oppressors and better yet for their theory, if you don't think you're an oppressor, it just proves you are an oppressor. This circular logic won Mr. Kendi a MacArthur Genius Award. I wanna kill myself. This is absolutely insanity. If I don't agree with you, I'm a racist. So I can either admit I'm a racist or not admit I'm a racist, proving I'm a racist. This passes for logic in colleges it's lucky these people have jobs for life because in the real world where I live, they'd all be fired. Critical race theory is not taught, I wanna repeat this, in elementary schools or in high schools per se, but in terms of the teachers union, wholly bought into the left wing, wholly buying into CRT, recommended reading to the teachers involves CRT. This discredited notion that white people oppress black people, that we mustn't have standards, because it's unfair to black people is a racist construct. To say black people are not up to doing better, not up to understanding analysis, reading comprehension and math is something I'd expect of the Ku Klux Klan. Suddenly the far left agrees with Alabama segregationists of 1950 like Bull Connor, and I'm left with Bill Maher and Dr. King saying, bring people up, put people up, don't put everyone down. This is absolute lunacy. And the teachers' unions have totally drunk the Kool-Aid here. And although it's not taught per se in schools, recommended reading is along CRT lines. Everyone knows that teachers' and teachers' unions are among the biggest donators to the Democratic Party. And this is precisely the problem and where they got into trouble in Virginia. Because McAuliffe told the truth, and you always get into trouble as a Democrat when you speak the truth. He said he didn't think it was up to parents to tell teachers what to teach. And then, to put it mildly, all hell broke loose. Because this is exactly what Republicans think, Democrats think. Don't tell us what to do. We're the experts. Shut up, you peasants, and do what you're told. You couldn't make a better narrative. For Glenn Youngkin and the Republican Party than this obsessive, arrogant, totally unfactual basis of democratic superiority. You leave us to teach your children to indoctrinate them because you're too small minded to teach them. So we'll teach them indirectly critical race theory that all white people are oppressors, that all black people are victims, thereby helping nobody, thereby perpetuating racism beyond being utterly ahistorical. Is race a major factor in America? Of course it is. Is race the only factor in America? No one is that simple minded except the Democratic Party. And the problem with McAuliffe's comeback, which was to say, yes, I believe school systems should teach children what to do. I believe parents should not be in charge of their children's education ultimately is to show their arrogance in full view. And worse, that theory only works, the democratic theory, if you believe the establishment is relatively politically neutral. You can leave the thinking to them if they're going to be neutral. But nobody in their right minds thinks the teachers union is anything but a wing of the democratic party, that the mainstream media is anything but a wing of the democratic party and indeed that the entertainment industry is everything but a wing of the democratic party not just the party but the woke far left progressive wing of the party you can't count on an establishment to be neutral that isn't neutral as i used to say when i was interviewed in washington i'd have a lot more time for you guys if any of you had ever voted for a republican one time you pretend to be above it all in an olympian way and yet you have made being a democrat the norm, and anyone who doesn't agree with you is just badly educated. To which I'd say, I'll compare my five degrees in my St. Andrew's education and my thousand articles in my 14 books to you any day you want, buddy. In a republic, you argue the facts and you don't tell me you're superior to me, particularly when you're not. This was killing for McAuliffe because the mask was off and the democratic technocratic elite revealed itself for everyone to see. And then the last point was the vaccine mandates. It's the same point as CRT. Virginians are heartily sick of the moving goalposts of the vaccine. Dr. Fauci being the king of this. You don't need The, the virus won't hurt us. The virus is the worst crisis in history. The virus means we don't need masks. We absolutely need to wear three masks on TV. Uh, we don't hurt immunities at 60 percent. No, 70 percent, no, 80 percent. No, I can't put a number to it because I like controlling you. The way kids were locked down, despite the fact that they don't go to the hospital and don't die from the virus, that their education has been retarded and that more mandates are being imposed upon people, is not something moderates are willing to put up with anymore. When although the numbers of COVID remain high, the number being hospitalized and the numbers dying are far lower. And why is this? because old people are not being getting sick. The virus skews to age more than even vaccination, overwhelmingly, and a technocratic leader saying, ignore the science, ignore the facts. We wanna keep things locked down because it makes us feel better, more secure, so you're gonna to have to put up with it because we simply know better than you. A lot of people who aren't political hate this. Hate Fauci's arrogance, a man who indirectly funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology and forgot to tell Congress about it, is now telling you after holding every position under the sun on every aspect of COVID to trust him. Why in the world in a republic should we? And the Virginia voters are heartily sick of it. And this is terrible news. For the Democratic Party. So over the actual record of the Biden administration, above all, not healing the breach, but also its incompetence and failure to move its domestic policy over cultural issues, primarily education and critical race theory, where moderate moms aren't sure they want their children to be divided into oppressed and oppressor when they're 12, or to think that race is the only thing that motivates anyone to do anything, leaving the left-wing indoctrination to a bunch of teachers who despise the very parents of the children. They're teaching, that didn't help either. And then the Fauciism, the we know better about the vaccine vaccine, Mandates when all empirical evidence to the contrary shows they don't know better. All of this killed McAuliffe, the ultimate establishment hack, a Clintonista to his bones. They wheel out the big guns, and Virginians say, no, no more. Well, this is terrifying for the Biden presidency for this reason. The first midterm of any presidency historically is very bad news for the White House. The only exceptions are times like 1934 and the Great Depression, when the horrible nature of the situation and the quick response of Roosevelt made made it very atypical. And the Democrats actually picked up a good number of seats. The norm is that they're wiped out the president's party. This happened to Reagan in 1982. This happened to Bill Clinton. Um, after his victory in 1994. And this happened to Barack Obama after his victory in 2010. And that was midterms. In each case, the midterms saw the party of the president lose one or both um, seats in the House, one or both sections of the House, either the House or the Senate. And this means that the domestic agenda is over. Well, if you're losing Virginia and may lose New Jersey a year out, and all of history is geared against you, and you only have a three-seat majority in the House and a a 50-50 non-majority in the Senate, I'd say the clock is pretty much ticking on the Biden presidency. This is gigantic news because the way Youngkin won, it isn't just that he won, but the way he won are issues the Democrats are not going to undo in the next year. Rather, they love these issues. They're entirely in favor of these issues. They will keep pushing on critical race theory. They will keep trying to spend money like drunken sailors. And they will keep saying, we know better. We are experts. We are technocrats. And that trumps democracy. And this technocratic elitist view, they don't notice that the elite is utterly discredited by their very record. People, not me, I'm a libertarian, but people might be willing to put up with this if they were successful, but they don't notice in their arrogance, and I've been to meetings with people who in political risk were wrong about Brexit, who still go around pontificating, wrong about China, still go around pontificating. They are not troubled by self-doubt, despite their horrible record. And this drives moderates and most normal people crazy. So the Biden presidency, the beginning of the end of his domestic agenda, is now. I actually think this means it more likely in the end he passes the mammoth spending bills because they have nothing to lose. They're going to lose the midterms anyway. But the problem now is the Biden presidency domestically has entered its terminal phase, as most presidencies do after two years. And even if you serve eight, the remaining six, far less gets done domestically. This was true of FDR in the 100 days, LBJ and the Great Society after 1964, and now is true of the efforts, it was true of Obama and health care and is now going to be true of Biden and his spending bill. The curtain is already coming down domestically with only foreign affairs left in play. This is a huge story because the Virginia earthquake can be re- replicated throughout the country. Hope you enjoyed that. I enjoyed very much today's Around the World in 20 Minutes, explaining the beginning of the end domestically for the Biden presidency. Again, for those of you who did, please do hit subscribe and please do give. Again, the price of the espresso I'm just about to drink. Thanks very much and on to the next.